Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 14th. And our chapter for today is 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is a faithful saying. It's an honorable saying. If any man desires the position, the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. And there are a host of qualifications for the office, the position of a bishop. Well, what is a bishop? What do all of these terms mean? What's the difference between an elder and a bishop? What's the difference between a pastor and an elder? What's the difference between a shepherd and all of the other terms? Well, I want to try to help you to understand those and sort this out. But before we get into the various definitions of the words that are used for this particular office, I want to deal with the call to the office. And what I would like to help you to understand is what I call the personal call versus the official call. As I see in the scriptures, there are two primary calls. Now, the Bible says that God calls us to this. He calls us to that. I understand that. I'm talking about two calls that are personal in nature. One is the call to salvation. The other is the call to service. Now, these are personal. They're not positional. They're not positions. They are personal. What do I mean by that? I mean that God deals with a person individually, and he calls them without any qualification whatsoever. The call to salvation does not come with qualifications, that is, that you are blameless, that you are above reproach. That No, as a matter of fact, the only qualification to salvation is that you're disqualified. That is, that you're not worthy of it. You don't measure up. You've fallen short. As a matter of fact, the word for sin, the most prevalent word in the New Testament is harmartia. Harmartia means to miss the mark. It means to come up short. It means you do your very best, but it's not good enough. So God calls us to salvation. That is, he says, I desire you. I want you. And he sets his love upon us. Jesus said, no man can come unto me except the Father draw him. We don't come to salvation on our own. We are drawn by the cords of God's loving kindness, his hesed. You see, God sets his love upon us, and he calls us by name. He draws us to himself. We are so sinful. Man, apart from the grace of God, cannot come to salvation on his own. We're not seeking after God. I see all of these tracks and diagrams that says man's trying to get to God this way, trying to get to God that way. Well, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that the opposite is true. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
You see, we're running as hard as we can into darkness. We are running away from light. That's what the Bible says, and we will continue that unless the Spirit of God arrests us and turns us and brings us back to himself. This is the picture that is painted in the scriptures. We are sinful. We are dead in trespasses and sins. And it is only the grace of God that allows us to come to him. That is the personal call. But there's a personal call to service. So what are the qualifications for the personal call? Just like with the personal call to salvation, there are no qualifications laid out in the Bible for service. As a matter of fact, again, the only qualification is that you're not qualified. And God used all kinds of men, called all kinds of men to do all different kinds of service for him. Leaders who were lacking courage, that were adulterers, that were murderers, that were blasphemers, that were you name any sin and they would do it. They were the most likely to succeed? No, the less likely to succeed. Ask King David. He wasn't even asked to come to meet prophet Samuel. Samuel had to say, none of these are the God's anointed. None of these are going to be the one that God's going to set up over Israel. Do you have another son somewhere that's not present? Well, we do have one. He's out with the sheep calling. And as soon as Samuel saw him, he said, that is the Lord's anointed. He is a man who is after God, who's after God's own heart. And so the call to salvation and the call to service have nothing to do with qualification. In other words, if God's called you to be saved, then he's going to draw you. And the calling of God and the gifts of God, which includes salvation, salvation's a gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The book of Romans chapter 11 says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. They will never be taken back. They're inviolate. They cannot be violated. When God calls a man and God gifts a man salvation, it's forever. It's irrevocable. The same thing is true of the call of God upon a person's life. Now, can a man disqualify himself from an office? Yes, because there are qualifications with that. But there are no qualifications for the calling except the sovereign hand of God. It was true with Moses. It was true with Abraham. It was th- We could go down the list of men that God called and used. Many of them were prophets. Many of them were men that God just chose out for some great work. But all of them had feet of clay, bodies of clay. They were broken vessels. They were crackpots. And God used them anyway. Now, he might use someone that's a scholar like the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, for a special work. But even Paul would tell you he was the chief of sinners. He said that at the end of his life, not at the beginning. All to say, there is no qualification for salvation except the grace and calling of God. There is no qualification for service except the call of God, the anointing of God, the equipping of God, the enablement of God, the endowment of God. All of that is the grace of Almighty God. And so if there are no qualifications that have to do with your worth and value and gifting, then lack of that does not disqualify you. 
It wasn't your goodness. It wasn't your works that drew you to God. It was God's grace, and that's the only thing that will keep you. Same thing's true of calling. I talked with a man years ago in Knoxville, Tennessee, and he he said to me, he said, what do you do in your life? I said, I am a pastor. He said, well, I could tell by the way you were talking. Uh, you were probably a preacher or pastor. He said, what's your calling? I said, God's called me to preach and teach the Word of God. And so he said, well, have you always been a pastor? I said, no, and I probably will not always be a pastor because that depends not just on me, but that depends on other things as well. He said, well, I used to be a preacher, but I'm not anymore. I said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. I said, what do you mean you're not one anymore? Did God call you to preach? He said, oh, yes, yes, yes. But he said, I got divorced, and so I can't pastor. I said, well, you've talked about two different things here. Pastoring is one thing. Preaching is another. I said, there are no qualifications for the call to preach. That's a personal call to service. God equipped you and called you and anointed you to do that. And because your wife left you does not disqualify you from the call of God to preach and teach. Now, it may disqualify you from pastoring or something else you do might disqualify you from pastoring a church and being a lead pastor of a church and the shepherd of a people. Based on the qualifications, I, I don't know where you are personally, but I can tell you this. Qualifications have to do with the office of a pastor, the position of a pastor, but it has nothing to do with the call of God upon your life to preach. You don't have to have a church to preach in. You don't have to pastor a church to preach. You can preach on the streets. I did it in Dallas before I ever had a church in Dallas, Texas, right downtown on uh, Commerce Street. I preached the Word of God on other streets there, and people came to Christ before I had a church. I've preached out in open parks. I've preached at lakes. I've preached at campgrounds. I've preached all over the place. I had nothing to do with me being a pastor. So I said, sir, if God has called you to preach, then preach. He said, oh, my goodness, nobody's ever told me that. And I said, what a shame. That's exactly what it says in the Bible. Qualifications have to do with the office of a pastor, the office of a bishop, the office of an overseer, an elder, and so forth. And so all to say that is a personal call. The call to salvation, the call to service are personal in nature, and they have nothing to do with qualifications. Again, the only qualification is that you understand you're disqualified. Well, what about a call to an office? Now, that's a different story. That's an official thing. So you say, well, what is this overseer thing? Well, there are three words that are used interchangeably in the Bible for one office. That's right, for one office, not three offices, one office. And let me give you those the first one is the most used term to describe uh, what I do in the local assembly, and that is presbyteros. It's where we get our word Presbyterian, presbytery. And presbyteros is the Greek word for elder. It's translated elder. Now, that comes right out of the Old Testament and the makeup of the leadership of the Old Testament, of the tribes of Israel, of the temple, of the synagogue. That language is brought right over in the New Testament. Why? Because the Bible is a Jewish book. It's written by Jews, to Jews, primarily for Jews. And for the first eight to ten years of the church, only Jews 
were in the church. It was at least eight years before Cornelius was saved, who was the first Gentile to be converted to Christianity in Caesarea Maritime, which was the capital of Judah, that is the Roman capital and seat of power in the Roman province of Judah. And so the Jews didn't reinvent. Peter, James, and John didn't reinvent anything. They just repurposed it. In other words, they understood the concept of elder-led. They understood the concept of responsibility and accountability and all of those things that we hold so dear. And so the chief word for what a pastor does today, a lead pastor, is called a presbyteros. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, our text for today, you have the word episkopos used. Epi is a preposition which means upon or above in uh, some senses, some sentences, but the basic concept is upon. And that upon is an intensifier. If epi's on the front of something, then it is intensified. Like, for instance, the word heat is the word thumas. You put epi on the front of it, epithumia, epithumos, and you have the word for lust. Why? Because it's heat upon heat. It's someone panting after something. And so epi is an intensifier. Scopos, S-K-O-P-O-S, is the word for look, see. You have a telescope that sees something in a distance. That's at the end, and it brings it up close. You have a microscope, a microscope as we call it. That lets you see things that are micro, that are very tiny, very small. And so a deer rifle has a scopos on it. And so that's the idea of seeing it bring something up where you can see it better. And so episcopos, episcopal, that's right. That's uh, We have an entire denomination called Episcopalian, like we do Presbyterian. Why would it be called Presbyterian? Why would it be called Episcopalian? It's because of their form of church government, the Presbyteros, Presbyterian is a denomination that has elder leaders, elder rulers, and they make the decisions for the church. They make the decisions who's elders. They make the decisions about everything in the church. Why? Because it is elder rule. Presbyteros. Then you have Episcopalian. They have local pastors, as you might say, elders. And then they have overseers. They are broken up in different segments. Uh, the Catholics call it a diocese or whatever um, the uh, flavor of the day is in the particular denominations that have overseerships. Even in some of the churches like a Church of God of Prophecy, a Church of God, they have uh, pastors and then they have local elders in a church, and then they have someone who is over a district or over several churches or an area of churches, and they're called superintendents or they're called overseers or they're called bishops, depending upon the various denominations. But the word is overseer. Now, the last word is a word that's usually found in verb form. It's the word poema. Poimain, it's sometimes uh, listed, and that's the word for shepherd. That's right, a shepherd, one who feeds the sheep and finds food for the sheep. Does he care for the sheep? Yes. 
but he cares for them primarily by finding food and water for them, and that's the way that he keeps them healthy. And so that is the word that we usually associate with a pastor, because the reality is that most pastors, and especially in the southeastern United States, they are more chaplains than they are true elders and overseers, because what they primarily do is they go to the hospital, they make hospital visits, they bury the dead, they marry the ones that want to be married, they go out and visit with people. Now, all that's wonderful and great, but that's not the primary responsibility of the pastor. The primary responsibility of the pastor has to do with the word elder, which has to do with leadership. He has authority, he has gravitas, and he leads the flock of God by teaching the Word of God. And that's where the authority comes from, not from the position, but from personal influence of walking with God. That's true in any field, uh, certainly true in the area of ministry and the pastoral ministry. And so you have that word presbyteros, you have the word uh, episkopos, and then you have the word poima or poimain. And so those are not three offices. They're all the same. Now, there are a couple of passages. I'll only deal with one in this podcast. That's in First Peter chapter 5. And the apostle Peter uses all three words. He said, the elders, the presbyteroi, who are among you, I exhort, I encourage. And Peter said, I, who am a fellow presbyteros, I am one of the elders and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God. That's the word poima or poimain. Now, it's interesting that in the King James Version, which is from hundreds of years ago, it just has been brought into our modern language. If you have a King James Version, it probably doesn't say shepherd. It probably says feed. Feed the flock of God. Why? Because the number one responsibility of any shepherd is to feed the flock. Now, you ask in the southeastern United States, what's the number one responsibility of a shepherd? They'll say care for the sheep. And by that, they mean being a chaplain. Well, now, we need to do the work of chaplaincy. We need to care for people. But the primary responsibility of care is with the family. First of all, the family and then the deacons in the church and the elders are to be in the word of God, teaching the word of God, spending time praying and leading in that effort. So you have the word shepherd, and he says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as episcopoi, that is, as overseers. So you have the word elder in verse 1. Then you have the word poimain in 2, shepherd. So you have verse 1, elder, that's presbyteroi, singular presbyteros. And then you have shepherd, poima, or poimain in verse 2. And also in verse 2, he says, you shepherds, you elders, are to serve as overseers. That means you are to oversee the church. Elders were to oversee the work of God in the local assembly. And that means they oversee everything. That doesn't mean that they do everything. They oversee it. They're responsible for it. The buck stops with the elder. The buck stops with the elders. The buck stops with it. And these words are used interchangeably. He doesn't say elders, and then he says the shepherds, and then he says the overseers. It says the shepherds and the elders are to serve as overseers. 
The same thing is true in the book of Acts where Paul was dealing with the church at Ephesus and he called the elders, the presbyteroi, who oversee the flock of God, and he calls them shepherds. And he said, you need to protect the flock, provide for the flock, because there's when I leave, wolves are going to come in, vicious wolves, and they are going to try to destroy the flock. And so what he said was, you need to be careful. Now, this is in Acts chapter 20, and it starts in verse 17 and goes through the end of the chapter. In verse 17, he calls these people elders. When you get to verse 28, he calls them overseers who are called to shepherd. There again, verb form. And so most of the time, the word poimen is the shepherds are used because of what they do, because of the actions, their job description. So if you want to know what is my pastor supposed to be doing, he's supposed to be leading the flock through the authority of the Word of God. He is responsible to oversee the work of God at every level. That's finances. That's everything. Not that he does it all. Music women's ministry, everything, he is to oversee that. In other words, it is to be a uniform plan of ministry to the flock, and you don't have these separate plates over here spinning everyone doing their own thing. It is done under the leadership of godly men who lead the church, and women are assigned things, other men are assigned things, The deacons is another whole story for another podcast. They are never to be in leadership in the sense of ruling, controlling the church. The idea of a deacon board comes out of the Industrial Revolution of the late 1800s, not out of the Word of God. Deacons are to serve the elders and free them up to do what only the elders are called to do. Well, that's all the time I have, and it's past. God bless you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Chris. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.